Cinnamon Snickerdoodle Coffee. I would have never thought. <laughs> Woo! The Golden Stallion, the man of tomorrow, Savzu, the rated R radio star, the one that some call woo, the most interesting anarchist alive today. Here for a little Wednesday Q&A. And you know, I've got a very unique uh, Wednesday Q&A to, to do with you here. Uh, and it's unique because I'm actually only going to do one I'll say email. Really, it's a message through the private Patreon messenger, which Sovereign Tech patrons, and thank you all for being Sovereign Tech patrons, uh, exclusively have access to, to be able to message me with that. Uh, it's such a great, efficient little system. Um, and of course, I leave you anonymous unless you want me to mention your name and you, you'll have to tell me you want me to do that specifically, um, which has happened in the past on uh, Q&A episodes. And of course, it's great to be in the studio here. Uh, <laughs> the lovely and hyper-intelligent Dr. Stephanie Murphy uh, is still away. She's at Anarchapoco, uh, which I am not there. And boy, you know, I actually, I got a few people asking me, why didn't I go? Um, and, and a bunch of others already knew why, you know, that I, that I don't go. Uh, I guess I'll, I'll answer that. And then I have a question, a kind of a funny question related to, to, to that. Really, it's it's the the question that I'll get to is, what do you do when Stephanie's not around, like when she's away? <laughs> well, I go insane. I mean, I, I talked about that on this past week's uh, Sovereign Tech, but like, like ooh, I, I, I get pretty bad. Uh, I think I said, yeah, yeah. Like I just start quoting these terrible, you know, like I'll just quote from a bunch of movies or even like history books, just like all these things that, you know, these, these tyrants have said forever. <laughs> Maybe as anarchists, we no, never mind. <laughs> Am I not merciful? little commodus there for you <laughs> from, from gladiator anyway sorry okay so um so why why didn't i go to an archipoco well quite frankly um and i won't spend a lot of time on this i want to get we have a bunch of questions just in this one email that i want to get to and i want to read it because i really i I'm, I'm dead serious i felt touched um i you know just me and you don't have to feel this way but this is just me like there, there are certain events that, that I really want to boycott when I think that they, they do bullshit or when like their, their speaker lineup and a bunch of other things is, uh, you know, the, the deck is kind of stacked with, with a bunch of uh, morons or a bunch of like people really that, that shouldn't even be talking, uh, especially about the things that they're talking about. Not because they're not knowledgeable, say when it comes to anarchism or economics or something like that. I mean, a lot of these people are absolutely brilliant when it comes to those things, but that honestly in their personal lives, which you can say shouldn't matter, but when you're talking about anarchism and human interactions and all that, it kind of matters. Um, yeah, I, I don't want to support these guys and I don't want to support events that support them. You know, that that's just me. I, I mean, obviously the love of my life went to one of, you know, went to this event. In fact, she's a speaker there and obviously I'd love to support her, but I just think that, you know, it's, it's a funny thing. It's a really funny thing. Two points I want to make to you here. Okay. One is, is that, you know, from back in the back when Stefan, Stefan Molyneux, you know, had good things to say, uh, you know, we're talking quite a few years ago, but you know, he used to talk about that. Well, you know, 
we don't need all these government forces and everything. You know, he'd say we can just ostracize people. We'll just ostracize them when they, when they act, you know, when they act out of line or, you know, that, that doesn't match with a, a, virtu- a virtuous life or first principles or something like this. Right. And, you know, I get that. Like, I, I, I don't, I don't really agree with ostracism. That's another subject for another time. If you really want to ask me about it, but frankly, like so many of these people have done so much shit that is so deserving of ostracism and nobody ostracizes anybody ever. It just doesn't happen there. Where, where is all this ostracism that's supposed to solve problems within the community? Doesn't exist. You know, again, I disagree with ostracism, but I mean, I don't even have to disagree with it because nobody fucking does it. Doesn't matter if a guy like, you know, effectively puts a gal in a slave contract. Doesn't matter if someone's, you know, pretty much ripping people off with land deals. Doesn't, I mean, you go down, I, I could go down the list. It doesn't matter. They still get welcomed with open arms, no matter where they go and what they do. And it's disgusting, you know? So that's, Hey, that's my thoughts on it. Okay. Now I'm not judging anybody else. I'm really, I'm not. Okay. Because if you don't believe in ostracism, well then, you know, like me, well, great. Then, you know, <laughs> then there, then there you go. Like you, even though you keep them around, you're, you're just acting on your principles, but I just, uh, it just feels, it feels so off, uh, to me. So, I mean, like even, you know, honestly, even, uh, and, and sorry, if, if you're, if you're one of the subscribers that like listens to the tech, we're not going to get into a whole bunch of tech in this episode. And I'm opening up talking about a bunch of Liberty and anarchist shit, which at some point, well, I don't Let's just keep going. Um, yeah, I brought up the point about ostracism. I had a second point I wanted to make. Oh, well, I was going to say that, look, even in the Free State Project, like I get I get so tired of just the, the rampant stupidity about how the Free State Project handles things so many times. Um, and I've talked about these very openly on Sovereign Tech. This, this isn't some kind of secret, you know, talking behind somebody's back. I thought the way that they handled the uh, recording of the Edward Snowden talk at Liberty Forum last year, not this past one, uh, was ridiculous. And in fact, was, I can only imagine was just filled with outright lies or, or just outright stupidity. It it was like, cause a guy was recording the Edward Snowden talk and, you know, a, a person with the free state project said, do not record this, please, you know, please, please don't be recording this, blah, blah, blah. And, and like the argument was for that, that the lawyers or something would, would have to go through the talk first. And it's just like, what do you, are you kidding me? It was a Google fucking hangout. You think the NSA doesn't have automatic access to that? Like th- there's, there's, th- th- I just, I didn't buy the reasons. I didn't really get it. I, the only conclusion I could come to is that they just didn't want, or the only people that they wanted seeing this were people that either went to like, say the free state projects, YouTube page or something, or that paid for the ticket to be there, uh, that they really didn't want it getting out there. I absolutely cannot believe I've never had it confirmed, but I cannot believe that Edward Snowden would be that dumb to think that somehow he could control the words he's saying over a Google hangout in any degree that matters. So, you know, kind of honestly, in, in some ways, kind of fuck, fuck it, fuck Liberty Forum. I mean, I would have gone this year, just other things went down that, that, that I didn't end up going. It's just, there's, there's times where like, I, you know, really, like I, I get so mad because some of the stuff's really basic, you know, it's not like, it's not like an argument that 
like I'm boycotting these places because I don't know, they, because they, they believe in contracts or something, you know, it's, it's not some like penny, anything like it's really ridiculous, very open, uh, uh, stuff that goes on that, you know, I just, I, I, I can't believe it. I guess I'm kind of, well, I, boycotting ostracism. See that that's a whole other conversation too. Uh, pork fest. There was some, I had some issues with that as well. Whatever. Apparently, you know, some of the people that, that, that talk about, or, you know, that, that maybe had a role in this sort of thing, uh, realized they handled a lot of it poorly. Uh, yeah, you did. I don't know. Anyway, I, I just, uh. <laughs> don't mind me. Don't mind me. And you know, all right, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to ride this just a little bit. Okay. And, and again, I apologize if you, if you feel like you're not getting your Patreon's money's worth with me, just, you know, shitting on libertarians and anarchists, uh, you know, just let me know. Okay. And I'll, I'll make it right, uh, by you. I promise. I, I really would. Um, you know, every time I'm, I'm actually kind of becoming notorious for, you know, for shitting on and for ripping on, you know, libertarians and, uh, what's more particularly known as anarcho-capitalists. Yeah. I mean, it's for ripping on them, you know, and, and I, and, and whatever. Okay. <laughs> Someone's got to do it. And what I don't get, this is, this is maybe the most amazing thing of, of when I do this. Okay. Because there's plenty to rip on. And really, you know, just like in the tech world, in some ways you don't want to delve into people's personal lives. Right. Like, I, I mean, you know, it, in some ways, what does what happens in someone's personal life have to do with, you know, uh, maybe the technology they're releasing? And you, you usually want to follow that rule. Not always, though. OK, there are times where based upon what somebody's trying to do that I think, honestly, what you know of their personal life or especially maybe what they write about in a blog post or what somebody puts out in a video uh, has bearing. Okay. Uh, for example, this is a very here in the tech world alone, and we'll get back to libertarians and anarchists in a second. Okay. In the, in the tech world. So steam it. Mm -hmm. Yep. Steam it. That steam it. Dan Larimer, the guy who, who's actually, you know, largely my, my encounters with him. He has been a, a very nice guy. Okay. And I mean, in, in my encounters with him. He wrote up a post, it's on Steemit, where he talks about, like, you know, his, how he got here, how he got to where he is. And he talks about some stuff that was clearly very painful for him. Okay, but this is all out in the open. I'm, this isn't anything, this isn't privileged information or anything. And he talks about how he, you know, kind of lost, he, he, got, he got married, got in a divorce, lost a ton of stuff in the divorce, made some, in my opinion, kind of, I mean, like, like, blatantly misogynist. I know some people want to want to tread softly on that word. Go ahead. But this is a case where no, it was, it was pretty fucking open. Um, pretty misogynist statements. And you could see that. I mean, based upon what he said, how he talked about his divorce, in my opinion, if I was doing some psychoanalysis, okay, I would, you know, I, I come to the conclusion that, Oh, he lost everything. And now he wants to work in money that the government can't take away from him. And I believe me, I can get that. Okay. I'm a person that went through a divorce myself. I understand. 
But then that colors what he's doing. And I mean, in, in a multitude of ways, why is he working in cryptocurrencies? And then also like, does it become concerning that he's building a social platform when, you know, how's his social life? Right. I mean, this is, you know, another great case is, is to quote Sergey Brin, who said it with a bit of, you know, with, with being joculent, but he was serious really at the same time in that he said, I had Sergey Brin, of course, one of the, you know, co-founders of, uh, of Google, he said, I had no business making a social media network. He's talking about Google plus I had no business making that because, you know, what do I know about a social life? Exactly. Bingo. It was so that, oh man, that is one of the greatest things ever said by a tech company or you're by a guy that runs one to have that amount of humility to say, what the fuck was I thinking? I don't know how to be, I don't know how to be sociable. Why would I create a social network? Exactly. So there's times where a person's personal life, the personal attitudes and all that, they absolutely do, you know, do uh, uh, color, you know, tech. And so bringing it back to the libertarians and anarchists, you know, when you're telling people how they, how they should really, how they should be living, um, how they should be, you know, what human interaction should look like. And these people do, this is exactly what they do. They, and they give you quote unquote solutions. Like I've always said, a lot of times the ideologies themselves are fine. Like, you know, just reading anarcho-capitalism, it's like, yeah, okay. But then you look at the people or you're reading about libertarianism, you can kind of get it. But then you look at the people that supposedly practice it or espouse it. And I'm not saying all of them, of course not, but certainly a lot of what I call the loud mouths in these movements Okay, I mean, would libertarians think fucking Gary Johnson, <laughs> right? Uh, you know, and then with with the ANCAPs, well, I mean, the the list the the list of names is is I'd spend the whole show giving you that list. But I mean, they, you know, th- th- there's no practice of their principles, and there's no real pragmatism either. Usually, you just end up, you know, with people being assholes. I mean, you can ask a lot of guys, like they'll, they'll or you know, a lot of guys in this space movement, whatever. You know, they'll they'll tell you. They say it's amazing how much libertarianism or ancapism gets disproved just by looking at libertarians and ancaps. <laughs> you know, by by the lives that they lead or or whatever. And it baffles me. This is the part that baffles me. Is that any time or many times when I complain about somebody, you know, or when I, when I, I want to shed some light or, or whatever, you know, and I, fuck, I can complain. I'm a human being. Uh, and I can try and do something about it too, which, you know, I always try to do things about things. That's why I have a consultancy business. That's why I have a podcast. That's why I make video games. That's why I do all kinds of shit. It's why I, I make albums, you know, uh, of historical texts so that people can can learn about it uh, in an interesting fashion, because I recognize that the reason people don't know about this shit is because it's kind of boring to read it as is. So I try to spice it up and make it exciting. OK, so I don't just I never just complain. I do. I solve things. Anyway. Um, you know, I'll, I'll talk about these people and then people come out of nowhere and just say, where did they, you know, like I'll, I'll talk about something maybe that this such and such person said, and they'll come out and they'll say, where did this person say this? And I'm, I'm kind of like shocked. It's like, it's not like I belong to any secret social circles. I really don't. I don't belong to any. In fact, I'm almost insulted by the fact that I don't belong to any of these things. Right. 
how how am I seeing exact and I and, and it takes me seconds to either find the article, the podcast, the uh, 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 the the post, you know, the social media post or whatever, where the person said this. And then even when I show it, the person's just like, oh, well, I, they probably didn't mean that. It's like, what? And then you show them another. Oh, that, that, well, you know, and then then it ends up they end up tagging the person. And I mean, it just it gets nuts. It gets nuts. But like, how how is everybody missing the shit? you know, that, 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 that these, these, these adults are putting out there. I don't know. I mean, yeah, I, I get, I get privy, I guess sometimes, to, you know, to things that not everybody knows about, uh, certain, you know, that, that happens. It's not from some kind of secret social circle or anything, but I, I, I guess to some degree I get privy to that sort of stuff. And look folks, I just, you know, and Hey, I am not a perfect person. I have fucked up big time. I have fucked up in recent years. I, you know, I am not, I am in no way saying, oh, I am the high and mighty. I am the, you know, the embodiment of virtue and all that by, by no fucking means. <laughs> I, mean, I, I am not, but let's be clear that, you know, I, it, it's, I'm hard pressed to think of people in libertarianism and anarchism aside from the everyday people that, you know, frankly, like keep this thing going round and round. And I mean, the people that you don't know their names of that are in any way deserving of praise, like, or, or that, that deserve even getting a like on their social media platforms or even, you know, I mean, it, it's so bad. It, it's just, it's so fucking bad. And it drives me nuts that nobody sees anything about it. And it drives me nuts that supposedly ostracism is supposed to be the ultimate solution, you know, for this. And nobody's even practicing it now. You know, like, like nobody, nobody's even trying. I baffled, fucking baffled. So anyway, <laughs> all of that said, oh God, I took 20 minutes I'm, or Satan. Sorry. Uh, I, I, I apologize, but I got that off my chest. I feel a lot better now. Um, so yeah, uh, as I said, did I say this on a podcast somewhere? Yes. I said on the observationism episode, I said, you know what? I said, metaphorically kill your heroes. Really? Yeah, I said that a couple of weeks ago now. Uh, but anyway, okay. So yeah, so the question was that got sent into me is the person asking me, what do I do when Stephanie's, you know, away <laughs> for a little while? Uh, which, you know, it it it, it happens and it's happened in the past. Uh, you know, we're we're separated for, you know, certain, you know, usually just a few days at a time or something like that. But ninety nine point nine 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 percent of the time we are always together. I, I mean, it's yeah. So that's why I go nuts, because <laughs> it's literally like a, another part of me is just, you know, is, isn't here. <laughs> Not nuts in like a mad, you know, in like a, a an angry way by any means, but just, you know, it's just it feels off, admittedly. Um Anyway, when, when she's not here, uh, I just, I have to soothe that part of me. And so, uh, frankly, I, I go to the movies. I, I watch Star Trek, play some video games. I mean, obviously I do a ton of work inside of all that, uh, but that's it. <laughs> that's really all I do. I hole up. <laughs> I mean, I, oh, I, that's that, you know, and, and I record podcasts for you. How about that? You like that? Um, so anyway, that, that answers that question. That's that, that is what I do folks <laughs> when, when I am alone. Uh, you know, I just, 
Yeah. And you can never, you know, a, a great listener actually said this to me the other day. He's like, you know, really, there is never, there is no such thing as, as, uh, as enough Star Trek. And I'm like, God damn it. You're right. There's never enough Star Trek. Uh, <laughs> in fact, uh, just a shout out to that, to that listener. He, he, he cracked, he cracked a joke about this. So this would be totally insider stuff, but uh, I'll give him a little Gowron. glory to you and your house. I tried. I tried. <laughs> it's a little Star Trek quote. Okay. All right. So, uh, I want to get into, so, so there, 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 that answers that question from a great patron. Um, I want to get into, uh, the questions here that, that I had from, uh, from Patreon actually, well, not the question. It, it's one email, but it's a bunch of questions. So I want to read it. And again, I'll, I'll leave the person, um, anonymous, but it starts off with stallion. I've been wanting to write you for a while now, and I reckon I better pull the trigger before I get too many questions slash comments built up. And I'm long-winded as it is, but something tells me you prob- you're probably a fast reader, and I think this message will require a bit of setup to try to fully emphasize what an impact you and Sovereign Tech have had on me. And I am honored by that, sir. Uh, anyway, I'll, I'll, I'll keep reading here. A bit uh, of background info about me. I didn't give a shit about politics or philosophical theory all throughout my younger life, up until shortly before the 2012 election. Um, if I was even, if I was 21 at the time, uh, I saw a compilation video featuring Ron Paul saying things I'd never really heard from any politician before. It was consistent and honest, and it really sparked my interest because he was saying things that seemed radical. I looked up the word libertarian on Wikipedia and eagerly jumped down the rabbit hole of exploration into all the usual websites, videos, figureheads, and history. It seemed like I finally found a worldview that spoke to me and all the things I already naturally valued in my own life. I could bore you with dozens of more anecdotes of my younger self and how I felt like it was, uh, I was set up to be rebellious or different or weird or blah, 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 but I won't. And I'm deep enough into the social circles now to realize I'm not exactly special in that regard. Okay. So I want to stop here for a second. I want, I want to, I want to talk about this, uh, this little segment here and a lot of people. Yeah. Like, like he recognized. Okay. Like the email recognized. A lot of people, you know, have gone down a similar path. You know, you ask a lot of people, how did you become an anarchist? How did you become a libertarian? You know, whatever words you want to use and whatever you want to identify yourself as, you know, please feel free. I, myself, I really don't care. Um, and usually it ends up, the answer will be Ron Paul. And that's, that's totally valid for me. It was actually judge Andrew Napolitano. I've told that story before, uh, but same, same idea. He said things that I've never heard anyone say before, you know, and in this case it was on national TV, probably similar to Ron Paul. And it just like, holy shit, you know, uh, and it just strikes a chord with you, something that you already knew. Um, now the interesting thing here, okay. <laughs> is that the, and this ties in nicely with that, with what I was just talking about the cynicism that I was just expressing for about the first 20 minutes of this Q and a of this Wednesday Q and a for sovereign tech, uh, is shared by many, but here's the interesting thing. It's, and, and this is no insult to certainly the emailer or anybody else. It's not meant to be an insult. It's just, it's just a statement of what I see is, is fact, or at least anecdotal, um, or, you know, widely, wildly anecdotal, or you know what I mean? And that is, is that a lot of the people, so I got hooked. So he got, so the emailer got hooked in 2012. Okay. So Ron Paul had two big runs, of course, 2008, 2012. Um, I mean, he had other runs too, but you know what I mean? So a lot of the people that got excited in 2008, they're the ones that, that share, shall we say my jadedness, uh, today, I think, you know, the, the 2012, 
uh, uh, libertarians. Maybe a lot of them, you know, are, are still kind of kind of getting into this. Uh, again, the emailers clearly done their homework and, you know, they've deep dived. But I'm, I'm just saying everybody, you know, goes at different paces and all that, certainly. Uh, so I'm not talking about the emailer in this. But there there is really is there there seems to be like these certain events that create waves of new libertarians and all this. And what I notice kind of happens is, is that, and, and I get it on, on social media myself is that a lot, you know, a lot of these new, you know, kind of new wave libertarians, again, the emailer is not that anymore. I'm just saying, or, you know, just using his example. Um, a lot of these new wave libertarians, like they don't understand. They're like, what, what do you, you know, why are you complaining about Liberty about libertarians or the libertarian message or the anarcho-capitalist message and all this stuff. And it's just, it, it, it makes for weird and, and really unfortunate, I think, conversations. Unfortunate because usually the jaded person will just jump down that person's throat saying, you don't know, you know, like, I mean, and it'll be really mean. And even I can fall prey to this too, uh, to, to where, you know, it, it's new blood and, and they haven't been around to see that, that all the people, you know, maybe a lot of the names that they've heard of are shysters, you know, <laughs> I mean, that they're scumbags. So, you know, it's just, it, it's a cycle of things. I, I guess it's just how it goes. There's nothing, there's really nothing that can be, that can be done about it. Um, so anyway, emailer, yeah, a lot of people have your, have your experience and I, and I, you cannot imagine how happy I am, um, that you are here and I know who you are and I, and really personally, I'm happy that, you know, that you found your way, uh, and you did it, you found your way, you know, don't let anyone tell you differently. Like, like you owe somebody something. Um, okay. So reading on here, suffice it to say, fast forward to almost two years ago, uh, that would, I guess would be 2014 when I'm about to start a data entry job and deciding to give those wacky newfangled podcasts a try. I find a little radio show called free talk live. This was during pork fest. Uh, those were the first episodes I listened to. And I felt like my whole world expanded even more. It wasn't just me looking up random articles on my own time and stewing with a million thoughts and questions. It was Ian and Mark. Of course, those are the hosts of free talk live. Uh, actually having discussions about libertarianism in a real practical way and sharing different shades of the philosophy and how it would be used to affect real change in your own life and the lives of those around you. It was also free from the confines of academic rigor and the potential to uh, prance about and pretend that using big words and quoting Rothbard enough times would substitute for a compelling and down to earth argument. I was hooked <laughs> right on now just to, you know, take a moment. I mean, this is another thing too. And another natural path. And it certainly was for me is finding free talk live, you know, and Mark edge himself will tell you that free talk live is really the elementary school of Liberty. Um, not to say it can't go beyond that. It certainly can, but, uh, and, and it does, you know, many times and there's great people involved, Daryl Perry. I mean, just, just awesome, you know, awesome guys, you know, involved in many ways with that show, uh, and gals. Uh, but you know, for, for a lot of people that, you know, they recognize this sort of as a stepping stone. Okay. Um, I, you know, in fact, actually they, both Ian and Mark are at Anarchopoco as well. And on the February 26th episode, um, again, we're, we're in 12,017 here, H E, uh, in the, on the February 26th episode, they had Stephanie on in the very last segment. And it was really sweet because, they were like, come on, Brian, you, you need to be down here. They talked about me for a minute and, you know, both Mark, Mark said he was a huge fan of me and, and Ian was very kind, uh, you know, to say how talented I am and, you know, just 
how great sovereign tech is, uh, you know, and I was really honored by that, you know, to, to hear that sort of thing. And, and, and admittedly, like a part of me wanted to be there, you know, <laughs> just to, just to hang out on free talk live. Cause I used to, I used to host free talk live, uh, or, you know, I was a, a co-host, I guess you could say, but I would do first share as well. I've talked about that on Patreon episodes. Um, and Stephanie of course was incredibly gracious and I just, you know, if she's listening to this, I love you to death. And you, you know, that, uh, <laughs> she was just, she was so great, you know, saying out, Anyway, she's wonderful. <laughs> like I said, God is walking the earth, uh, as I've said uh, bef- before. So um, anyway, yeah, free talk live, you know, definitely, definitely, you know, a lot of how a lot of people, you know, get on board and, and really get into podcasting, too. Uh, I mean, definitely. And they've been going over 10 years, which is just phenomenal. OK, reading more of the email here. So to contrast uh, how much I loved and, and still do uh, Free Talk Live with your own podcast, Sovereign Tech, I think it was maybe six months or so into listening to Free Talk Live when I first heard your name mentioned, or maybe it was the night when you actually called in uh, because, I had tur- because I had turned in- into a full-on podcast default at this point. I sought you out and decided to start listening. Now, several months later, again, this was two years ago or, or something, I can easily say that you have had more of an impact on on my worldview and thought process than FTL that being free talk live ever did. Even though I've not even listened to you for half as long. Now, I mean, what can I say to that? <laughs> like, you know, thank you. I, I'm, I'm honored. I, I don't have, I don't have words for that. Um, reading on, which is a big reason why I'm going to up my Patreon support for you to $5 per month next cycle. Thank you that thank you so much. Um, though I assure you the words are far more important and I, I really appreciate that. Uh, the same amount I donate to FTL. Good for you. Absolutely. They, they, it is worthy of donation. Um, it is absolutely every bit as important for a show like sovereign tech to exist as it is for a nationally syndicated radio show to quote unquote, preach to the normies, so to speak. Ha <laughs> ha. And, uh, yeah, he put the ha ha there. So <laughs> yeah. Wow. Um, Yes. Thank you so much, you know, for, for, for saying that certainly. And when we do have questions to get to here in, in, in a minute. Um, but yeah, you know, uh, I, so generally like I don't, unless I'm listening and sometimes I do still listen to free talk live. Uh, I mean, it's, it's sporadic. There was a time where I listened like every night. Um, in fact, it used to be kind of dinner listening for Stephanie and I, um, but I, I, you know, I still listen in here and there. Uh, absolutely. But I often get asked, uh, you know, to be on. In fact, the other night I was asked to be on, I, I was, you know, I, I was, uh, otherwise engaged. Otherwise I'm always happy to call in, you know, when, when they want somebody with, you know, some expertise, um, on, but I'm honored when they ask me to be on, it really means a lot to me. Uh, so, um, yeah, it, it might, might've been a night where I was asked to, you, you know, to, to call in and, and I did and woohoo, good times. So anyway, um, and yes, I, I totally agree with what the email is saying. It's, it's still important for shows like that, that quote unquote, preach to the normies to exist. It, it, it's, it's very important. Uh, okay. So reading on, it took me a moment to put my finger on it, but I think I can now finally attempt to articulate the weird space that you and your personality occupy in my mind. It's because your views and, uh, it's because your views and arguments and opinions are simultaneously something that I agree with and disagree with so specifically. Like to the nth degree, not only do I fist pump at my work desk and try to lip sync along with those Ric Flair-esque woos, whoo, gotcha, <laughs> but I also shake my head in disbelief sometimes. 
And to your credit, the fist pumps are definitely a higher percentage. I have to firmly vouch as a listener for two of the things that I've heard you say often on the podcast, uh, that you started the show because you've never heard your, your views well represented in the media and the worlds that you occupied and consumed. And also that you are quite literally in my estimation, the most interesting anarchist in the world. By the way, has anyone memed uh, that with the, the Dostoevsky's uh, uh, advertisement guy wearing triple black with your face on it? Because that should be a thing. Now, I'll tell you something. People have actually like memed about me with the Dostoevsky's guy saying something like if, if I, you know, I don't always like something on Facebook, but when I do, it's it, it's uh, this was like from a year or two ago, maybe. But if I do, it's something from Brian Sovereign. I, like, I, I know that's one of the memes that's been done with with, with the Dostoevsky's guy that I, I didn't make at all. In fact, uh, Nathan Frazier, who uh, I, I just love, he, he's the guy that made that. Um, so, yeah, anyway, wow. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I'll speak to this quickly. Um, I hear this a lot that, you know. People want to listen because they, they don't, they don't know what I'm going to say next, be it good or bad in their own mind. And great. And, and, and the real honor is that people keep listening, <laughs> you know, regardless <laughs> if they agree with me or not. So, uh, uh, thank you, you know, for, for, for that, that, that really, yeah. I mean that I, I take that as a total compliment. I love when people disagree with me, you know, I, I mean, I really do because that means these you know, somebody's hopefully thinking for themselves. I mean, if they're disagreeing with me about, you know, the, the validity of the state, well, you know, then, then they're, they're being kind of a drone, uh, maybe, but <laughs> maybe, I mean, there's brilliant people that are status, you know, make no mistake. Um, but yeah, anyway, I, I, I do like to hear it <laughs> when people do that. And I love knowing that people are fist pumping out there. <laughs> I try to make the show exciting. So I'm, I'm glad that people are, are feeling, or it sounds like this, at least this person's feeling the excitement though. Certainly I've heard it from others, um, as well. So, and it's good to get the vindication. Thank you that, that, yeah, you recognize as a podcast addict yourself that you recognize. Yeah. No one else talks about what I talk about. Uh, and, and I really, you know, again, I, I really appreciate that. And folks, please, I'm, I'm really not reading this to, to just pump my own ego. I don't have to read it on the air to do that. Um, you know, if I was going to do that, I would have read it maybe like on a sovereign tech prime episode, you know, that way I can boast to everybody, but this is just something, you know, that this is the Patreon content is for the patrons. Okay. So this is from a patron and, you know, let, let's, let's discuss it. And if, if you have thoughts based upon what he said or, you know, whatever, I'm, I'm open to hearing those too. Um, okay. So now we'll, we'll go on here. Uh, I hope this doesn't stray into hero worship territory. I know you don't like that kind of thing. And I actually think that's pretty fucking awesome and endearing, but I've listened to quite a bit of your content, several sex and science hour episodes, the conversations you had on the school sucks project with Brett and pretty much every sovereign tech episode since around episode 180 ish. Uh, you consistently blow my mind on several fronts. You're so passionate, so intelligent, well-read, perfectly straddling the line between hipster to the sake, uh, to the, the sake of being a hipster. Or yeah, straddling the line between hipster for the sake of being a hipster and genuine unabashed love for the things that make you happy, even if they are deemed uh, as cheesy or out of style by the mainstream. It makes me jealous sometimes, but in a positive and encouraging way, just because I don't know if I fully embrace the mindset to that extent uh, that I would like to. We also have several random and, and uh, disparate things in common. I'm obsessed with 2000s metal, uh, similar age to to you in the 80s, I believe. Um, I, I love cold weather and the snow. Woo, right on, baby. <laughs> there, there you go. Uh, I grew up immersed in Star Trek and Star Wars, mostly thanks to my librarian mom, who is a giant science fiction fan. Uh, Trek novels lining the shelf of our basement. All the original episodes taped on VHS, other bits of obscure memorabilia and such. Uh, man, yeah, I feel you on all that. <laughs> 
the VHS tapes around. Uh, if I wasn't making them, my dad was buying them, certainly. And the novels, uh, I mean, the first big novel I remember reading was Star Wars. It was actually Heir to the Empire when it came out. Uh, and it was like in third grade and pressed the shit out of my teachers too. But after that, like I was my main thing for reading and it's in some ways it's still kind of true is Star Trek novels. I, I still read them to this day. I love them. Um, and you know about the two thousands metal. Yeah, no, I, I, I dig it, man. Like saliva, you know, disturbed. I mean, the, the, you know, the whole lot of them, I'm, I'm actually, I'm even a big fan of Nickelback, quite frankly. Uh, not so much like everything after silver side up anyway. Uh, okay, let's read on. I was raised Christian, but my parents could have easily passed as Jewish. They never went to organized church and had, uh, and dad had a big map of Israel and the giant star of David um, on, on our basement wall. Of course, I have fully moved away from that BS in young adulthood. <laughs> I also have a very open attitude about sex and some highly libertine tendencies, even though I haven't fully acted out some of my fantasies. But my wife and I are young and she's open to things uh, as well. So it's not like it's too late. Woo. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Good for you, man. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's really impressive how you have just taken all the things you're into and fused them together into this very purposeful and informative voice uh, where you always manage to exude respect, empathy, and peace, despite yelling and being angry at stuff much of the time. Sometimes it leaves me dumbfounded because the topics are such a roller coaster, and your persona behind the mic can make me care about or think about things that I never thought I would give a shit about. Uh, I'm way more wary about IoT devices, for example. I'm not even particularly technically proficient, despite having maybe more skills than the average user. Yet I listen to a one-man, two-hour tech show every week. I think that would be hard to explain to most people but the selling point is you it really is so you best believe if i ever get my shit together enough to vault into this podcast space, space like i want to savzu will be a primary source of inspiration uh thank you <laughs> thank you so much uh and, and i i like i tell everybody everybody make a fucking podcast really <laughs> you know because <if> <laughs> especially if you're an anarchist we need all the anarchist podcasts we can get <laughs> i mean i mean that i'm, I'm being dead serious Okay, so so now that I've stroked your ego a fair amount, all legit, I'm all legit. I meant it one hundred percent. I hope you'll indulge me with a few questions. If anything here is interesting enough for a Q and A or a Sovereign Tech Prime episode, uh, then that's fantastic. Or if there's a past episode I missed uh, where any of these questions are answered in detail, feel free to point me there. So okay, I'm, uh, now we'll get into the questions. Now that we've gone well, well shy of forty minutes, so that, that's that's pretty good. Anyway, I, I I like I said, I was really moved by everything that that this emailer had to say, uh, and I, I wanted to share it and I wanted to, to let him know, you know, and I know you're listening. I want you to know emailer that like, I mean, this, this made my fucking year. Like, <laughs> thank you. You know, not, not like, I mean, yeah, I get nice emails from people, you know, no doubt about it. I certainly get lots of hate mail too. Um, but th this was just, yeah, you, you get it, man. <laughs> that's, that, that's, that's all I can say is, is you, you, you get it. And, and that means a lot to me because when somebody gives me such detailed, you know, uh, uh, such a detailed response, you know, to what they hear, then, uh, then I, I, you know, I can feel understood and I do. And so that, yeah, thank you for that. Okay. Let's get into the questions. Cause this is a Q and a episode. God damn it. <laughs> uh, one. 
since I heard about you on Free Talk Live, and I know you and Stephanie used to co-host uh, on Sunday nights, right? Yes, it was Sunday nights. Do you have any sort of recommendations for good episodes that you recall? A broad topic that may have been on the show notes uh, for an episode that I can use to search the Free Talk Live archive. Even a rough layout of how many months, years you guys hosted. I'd love to hear you in that atmosphere, interacting with callers and maybe arguing with Mark. Seems vastly entertaining. Uh, although ultimately I completely understand why you left the show. And in many ways, I think Sovereign is further along, uh, the anarchist spectrum in terms of depth and quality of content. Uh, thank you for that. So, okay. Now, and I want to answer this cause I think a lot of people, you know, may want to hear this sort of stuff. Um, I can't, you know, every Sunday was, you know, you want to talk about roller coasters. I mean, when you're taking live calls, it's a fucking roller coaster. Um, I can't remember like any ones in particular. I can tell you. So, okay. So I started on the show, like maybe the last week or the last couple weeks before, um, the end of 2012. So December, like the last couple Sundays of December, 2012, I think I was on, if not the very last one it was the one just before. And then I was on, you know, from there on, um, and I'll, I'll tell you the first episode that I did of, of free talk live, like I, I kind of, or I maybe it wasn't the first, maybe it was like the second one. I came out swinging on my stance about guns. Now this is not a popular thing for me to say or to talk about. Uh, and I've already talked about it you know, too many times on, on sovereign tech itself, but it would come up all the time on, on free talk live. And anytime it did, obviously libertarians would call in like, there's no tomorrow. What do you mean? You know, you, you, you know, like they, they'd say, I want to ban guns. I don't want to ban guns. That's, that's preposterous. Guns are just property. I'm, I'm not, I'm not interested in banning anything. Uh, so anyway, if you want to listen to like those first two, three episodes, like the, the, really the callers put me through the coals or at least they try to. Um, and, and, and I, I find those to be kind of interesting. <laughs> I haven't listened back to them in forever. Um, but so from, from the end, from, from the end of 2012, like literally the end of December of 2012 to, I guess some point in 2014, maybe is the time frame, And, and it was pretty much every Sunday is the time frame that I was on the show. Now I can tell you that the latter episodes of 2014 were, uh, well, there, there's a caller on free talk live who I think still calls in. His name is James Witt. And this guy's just notorious. Um, he ended up like he would just call in like, well, he'd call in almost every night, but like he'd keep calling in on Sundays. And that was one of the things where we're like, okay, this show just isn't fun anymore because this guy was such an asshole. Not that we didn't like, you know, verbally thrash him when he would call in. Of course we could and would, I mean, but, um, I mean, in fact, you know, it's, it's funny. There's, there's listeners of the show of, of sovereign tech I know, and, and of free talk live who like, I remember they, they specifically said in the, uh, you know, there's, there's various perks and there's like little free talk live groups here and there. And I remember them specifically saying, it's like, yeah, Stephanie and Brian, they're too smart for the show, you know? And, and maybe it was, and, and please, I don't, I don't mean to sound braggadocious or anything. And I'm not, I'm, I'm trying to really have absolute humility here, but I mean, there's people who would call in thinking that they were just so on point. And I mean, we would just wreck them, <laughs> you know, like we would wreck them. Like anytime somebody would call about how great America was or Western civilization or something, you know, like I, in fact, I remember one call in particular where I said to the guy, I was like, oh yeah, yeah. Or peaceful America, great America, caring America, you know, like giving smallpox blankets to, you know, to Indians. How many Indians, I mean, I mean like 
that, that sort of thing, you know, where, where you, anyway. Um, so yeah, that's the time frame you want to look for. Cause I did it for about two years, maybe it was into 2015 that, that we were still on, but I, I know, I know I did it for about two years. So anyway, um, that, that's the best I can give you. I, I can't really think of like a great topic there. There used to be a, there, there was a point where talking about, um, I remember this was kind of a big one where talking about like, do you, you know, do you, are you required to take care of a child? That's a subject that would come up often. Uh, abortion would come up and it would be interesting. And I mean, Stephanie and Mark would have some epic, you know, fucking like there was a time frame on that show where, and I was doing sovereign tech this whole time as well. Um, but there was a time frame on that show where like, I mean, Stephanie and Mark would have these, you know, kind of epic verbal battles. They, they were awesome. And, and I mean, you know, they, they would end the show and, and it would be no problem, you know, and maybe we'd hang out for an hour afterwards and talk, you know, talk about it more. But I mean, there's never like any real animosity of any kind. Um, but what I, what would end up in a lot of those episodes is that I wouldn't say much until like literally the last segment of the show. And then I would just pop and like, I, you know, I, I would just unleash, you know, kind of the fire and brimstone. Um, and so, so some, you know, expect that with some of those Sunday episodes anyway. Okay. Enough of that. <laughs> Let's get into another question here. Um, two, uh, you've mentioned numerous times that you choose to, abs- that you choose to abstain from drugs and alcohol. Although I freely admit, I freely admit that I have pretty heavy bias in this area, daily marijuana smoker for several years, uh, occasional dabbling in psychedelics also enjoy beer and bourbon on, on the regular. Um, I rock on baby. Good for you. Um, I must say it piques my curiosity considering other facets of your personality. Uh, I also have had a hard time understanding people who just have no interest in altering their consciousness as opposed to someone who tried various substances first, but then decided it wasn't their bag. Obviously, uh, I love how you always have a disclaimer that you think it's great. Other people enjoy those things. Uh, and yes, I, I go out of my way to make sure I tell people that because in my experience, most of the time, anytime I talk, I complain about or not complain. Anytime I say that I don't do, you know, that I'm not interested in doing drugs or drinking, uh, people get instantly defensive. It's it, it's really something, just something there. So that's why I have to run the heavy disclaimer that look, I don't mind if you do this, you go right ahead, you know, freedom, baby, <laughs> go for it. <laughs> right. Freedom, baby is never having to say you're sorry. Isn't that what, uh, what the devil said? Um, anyway, and I have no interest in preaching that I think everyone should do them. Uh, but for a heat or did I get all those things? Yeah. Uh, but for a hedonist, a uh, hedonist anarchist who's willing to experiment on supplements to affect his libido, I find it interesting that you don't imbibe in other ways. Uh, why is that? Who? Okay. So the disclaimer's already out of the way. <laughs> Good. <laughs> you made, you made my work easy for me. Uh, emailer. Thank you for that. Um, so why don't, well, the, the easiest answer to give is that the science is in. Okay. Now, especially, you know, with like marijuana and other things, like there's real, you know, certainly there's a lot of FUD or, and a lot of crap out there you know, saying that, and I don't, you know, and well, anyway, let, let me finish. There's a lot, a lot of crap out there saying that, oh, you know, mar- marijuana kills and, and all the shit, which it doesn't. Okay. <laughs> right. I mean, so you got to be careful when you say the science is in or, you know, what, what science are we talking about? Right. Um, so, so it goes a little bit beyond you know, anything that I experiment with for my libido, like, I mean, I heavily research anything that I'm, 
really that I'm caring to ingest, uh, you know, to, to, to try and, and be some kind of enhancement for me. Um, and it goes a little bit more beyond because again, yes, I'm taking supplements to try and increase libido. Not that my libido has a problem at all. It does not, uh, which I talked about in a, in a recent, um, it was the workout special, uh, or workout Patreon episode that I did just recently. Um, yeah, I mean, and, and yep, marijuana is just a plant, right. And, and blah, 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 you know, all, all, all the usual stuff, you know, um, one of, one of my concerns. So let me tell you a little story. This will be particular to the drinking. Okay. So I have, there were, there, there have been a couple times in my life where I did drink. Okay. I drank when I was, I drank a couple times when I was a teenager. Um, as in one time it was just one beer and it was an old mill and obviously it tasted like horse piss. And have I tasted horse piss? Leave that to you. Um, the, the second time was some sangria, uh, that I bought on a challenge because I was 16 and, uh, I've always looked a lot older than, than I am because partly because I've had a receding hairline since I was like 14, 15, which again, understand I've been shaving my head since I was 17. So what I did was, is I, like, I slicked my hair back as far as I could. And, you know, the average person at a liquor store isn't going to think that, you know, that somebody with that kind of receding hairline was under the age of 21. Right. And so, because if he carded me, I would have been fucked. Um, and this is the same thing I did to get into strip clubs at that age too. So I, you know, I went in, I bought it, walked out, no problem. And my friends and I, we went back to my place, hung out in my bedroom and, you know, and, and we drank up a bit. Um, so I, oh, as the night goes on and I don't remember exactly how many, how many cups I had, but we were doing like these big on, you know, like wine goblets. Okay. This wasn't, uh, you know, it wasn't just like little, little thimblefuls or anything. Um, I, yeah, cause we bought, you know, I bought one of these gigantic jars, uh, or, you know, flasks or whatever of it. So, uh, I noticed as the night progressed that now, as I've said many times, I have, I had the reputation as a teenager. Now everybody with a smartphone's a walking encyclopedia, so it doesn't mean much anymore. But at the time that was not a thing. And the internet was relatively new. You know, we're talking, uh, well, if I was 16, we we're talking like 1997. And, uh, I was, I had the reputation in school and in life of being a walking encyclopedia. And, and I was proud of that. Like I, I liked knowing a lot of shit still do. Um, that's why I don't do a show with notes because I, I, I like to have it in my head. So, or, you know, that's, that's not written down anyway. Um, and I noticed like, as somebody would ask me a question and we'd be talking about our usual shit, whatever we'd be talking about. And my friends and I, we, we talked, we always talked about the big stuff, you know? I mean, like, yeah, get women would come up, you know, here and there, which is, uh, you know, a conversation that a, a lot of, uh, <laughs> a lot of teenage boys obviously have. Uh, but you know, usually we were talking about like major, major things. And I mean, like, you know, things in outer space, not just science fiction, but like real science and all this, you know, I mean, that, that was our bag and people would ask me questions and it would take, like, I couldn't just rattle it off. I couldn't just rattle out the answer. And it was freaking me out, you know, because I knew, I knew the answer, but I'm like, why the fuck can't I think of it? And so then, you know, I go, I go out and I'm, I'm going to get a, I think I was going to get some pizza out of the refrigerator and I go to open the refrigerator door and my hand misses the handle and it missed the handle. Not because I was tired or whatever. It's because, you know, cause I was, I was, I was getting pretty drunk and like, I just freaked out 
I absolutely freaked out. I was, uh, you know, I mean, I wasn't like making a scene or anything, but I was like, I am never doing this again. I do not like not being able to think of things quickly. I do not like not having full body control, like something as simple as missing the fucking handle to the refrigerator. I mean, I flat missed it. Like it wasn't even close and yeah, not, not okay with me at all. You know, not, I mean, I'm a, I guess you could say I'm a control freak, but I'm a control freak as far as myself, you know, just for my own individuality and my own self-control. Okay. I'm not a control freak about wanting to control other people, quite the opposite. But when it comes to me, ooh, I, yeah, I want to be in control. I want full mental faculty. Um, so drinking, yeah, not, not part of the program. Now I, I, I did pick up drinking again when I was in the military, but that was for really for very obvious reasons, because I knew the shit I was doing was, or, you know, deep down unconsciously, I guess you could say, I knew I was doing some horrendous shit and I needed to dull it. Um, so, and, and, you know, maybe at that time, honestly, like if, if, uh, you know, marijuana or some other drugs were legal, uh, maybe I would have gotten into them then. You know, uh, not to say that that's why everybody does those sorts of things. Okay. Uh, you know, to dull some kind of pain or something like that. I'm not making that statement at all. I'm just saying, I know that's why I was drinking and that might've been why I would end up doing other things. Um, so as far as like why I don't do drugs, it's kind of the same thing to where, and, and I've seen it, uh, actually my oldest brother, um, is quite the, I mean, like you know, he does sheets of acid, the whole thing, frankly. Uh, I mean, he, he does all of it and I see how he reacts to it. And I've seen how plenty of other people react to it. And it appears to me that there's a complete lack of control. I mean, I get it. I understand like the idea that it's an expansion of consciousness and certainly, I mean, Carl Sagan's talked about it. You know, he, he wrote tons of stuff about marijuana. Uh, you know, what was under Dr. X or something like that at the time. Um, Lots of other people have talked about taking LSD. I know like taking micro LSD right now is a very popular thing in Silicon Valley because supposedly it allows people to uh, uh, focus better and, you know, really harness their, their creative abilities perhaps and all this. And I'm, I'm intrigued by a lot of that. Now LSD I'm a little concerned about because there's interesting evidence that that was, uh, you know, that's created by the CIA for very specific purposes. And I know Steve Jobs took it and he's so happy he did blah, blah, blah. But uh, I don't know. Anyway, but forget about LSD. Um, there's a great book that I, I, I recommend people check out. Uh, and this is not an indictment against people doing drugs. Go ahead. You know, I love you. Please <laughs> you do, do what you like. Uh, but there's a great book called Drugs as Weapon Against Us by John Potash. Uh, and in this, he talks about, now this guy isn't exactly an anarchist, but I think he, he'd fit under like a more you know, left-leaning libertarian, I think. Um, and he, in that he, he talks about how, and he has really good evidence for it, that drugs were introduced into activist groups to quell them, to shut them down. Uh, like particularly black Panthers, you know, we're talking about times like in the sixties and seventies and all that, that all of this was designed to, to just to, to you know, to either make docile or make controllable these different groups that had perhaps real potential to overthrow the U S government. Now I have, you know, I have no interest in violently overthrowing a government. Um, and I'm not saying all these groups did either. Okay. But when you read that book, eh, things get interesting. You know, I mean, I mean, when you, when you consider, you know, how, how a lot of that stuff works again, not saying that drugs are bad. Nope. 
I, I, you know, not, not saying that by, by any stretch, but my experience, what I've seen of people with it, like there is, there is a very different, not so much on point way that, that I see people act. You know, I've always said my, myself, like actually, so the one time I have, or I've said this often to people is that if I was ever to do drugs, the drug I would do is cocaine because I want a drug that like, you know, that, that, that hypes me up that like, you know, makes me, like, I remember, and I, obviously they, they weren't shining a good light on drugs with this. Uh, but what was that show with uh, Michael J. Fox? Was that family ties? Um, Maybe it wasn't family ties. Anyway, the, when Michael J. Fox, you know, he plays like this young Republican kid. <laughs> yeah, it was a sitcom in the eighties, family sitcom. And there's the episode where like, where he does cocaine and he like goes out in the back and he starts digging ditches and all this stuff. Like he, he just, he can't stop, you know? And, and, and I was, and I remember seeing that thinking like, Oh, that's cool. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I want to take that. I want to take something that like, that actually allows me to do more. All right. <laughs> right. Um, but you know, that, I mean, that's kind of the other thing too, is that, I mean, believe it or not, you know, I'm not, I'm actually a pretty chill guy. <laughs> I mean, like, like when I'm not behind the mic, I mean, I'm, 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 I'm fairly chill, you know, and I'm not in some kind of like social environment, not that I'm in any way putting on some kind of facade by no means. Uh, but yeah, like I don't really need anything to calm me down. I'm, I, despite, you know, my, my ranting and raving on the show, I'm, I'm actually a, a very calm and, and, and collected guy, uh, that, that really, I don't, you know, I don't worry about much. I mean, <laughs> not, this isn't meant to be a boast, but like, I mean, I've already almost died. You know, I've been shot. I like, I, I know, you know, I've had that moment where your life flashes before your eyes, right. Uh, metaphorically. And, you know, once you've kind of experienced that, I mean, a lot of other things, well, <laughs> you know, they are what they are. And, 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 you know, you kind of take the punches as they come, uh, you know, after, after an experience like that, that was when I was in the military, by the way. So, um, anyway, yeah. And, and also, I mean, one would have to, this is the point where, where maybe a lot of people would disagree with me and, and, and again, totally fine. Um, I kind of, I feel like that if your brain is capable of doing certain chemical reactions that somehow enhance it, that there's gotta be some kind of, and, and obviously marijuana is a plant, it's natural, but there's gotta be some kind of like, like other way, you know, perhaps some way of self-control where, where you can bring your brain to, you know, to those levels and, and, and whatever else. Um, maybe it takes marijuana, you know, whatever. I mean, again, I'm not condemning anybody for doing it. I, I, I say, you know, rock and roll, have a great time. Um, but yeah, yeah. I just, I, I have, I have some, some skepticism, um, on a lot of this. Well, for, I mean, for another quick example, so you have guys like Graham Hancock, right. Who, you know, give those, those really wild, uh, speeches like TEDx speeches that get banned, you know, about psilocybin, psilocybin mushrooms and all this shit. Uh, or we have people talking about ayahuasca or ibogaine or I don't know, whatever, whatever they're, t whatever the fuck they're talking about. Okay. And I don't mean that with disrespect, but oh, usually these people, when they talk about this sort of thing, they do, you either appeal to one or two things when it comes to drugs, uh, or when you come to those kinds of drugs, you like ones that supposedly help you and perhaps expand consciousness or break down walls within your mind and all this stuff, which I'm not saying they don't do that. Uh, you know, just, just explain it. Usually they'll either appeal to the naturalness of it, 
right? Which is a great appeal for marijuana. Absolutely. It's, it is natural. Um, or they appeal to the historicity of it in that one. The historicity argument is where I have, I have total objection. I mean, like I have a real problem with that because like Graham Hancock would talk about psilocybin. Other people would talk about ayahuasca or they talk about ibogaine and they say, well, it's been done for thousands of years in South America, or it's been done for thousands of years here or there. And, and it's, you know, and the way they sell what it does for you, I mean, like you take ayahuasca, you know, people say, oh yeah, it's like, it's like knocking off 10 years of therapy. Now, I mean, just that statement alone, forgetting the historicity, that statement alone is very troubling to me. Okay. Because I believe in the old adage of there's no Royal road to geometry, which means there's no shortcuts to real knowledge. There's no shortcuts. You have to do the work and saying that you can take something that's going to knock off 10 years of therapy. Bullshit. Like my red flags go off. Like there's no tomorrow. Okay. When I hear that sort of thing, but then the other claims are, you know, is that, Oh, it does this wonderful thing for the human mind. Oh yeah. I mean, and baked in with this notion that it does 10 years of therapy for you. I mean, why isn't South America? If, if, if this stuff does all this wonderful shit for human beings and it's been practiced for thousands upon thousands of years, you know, why, why isn't South America like, like, I mean, they should be living the Star Trek life right now. You know, if it does that much for the human mind, it doesn't make any sense to me. I don't see any more empathy. In fact, for fuck's sake, they're tossing, you know, children into volcanoes back when these drugs were supposedly popular. Sorry, I find your claim specious. I'm not talking to the emailer. I'm talking to, to these other people. I find it very hard to believe you know, that that sort of things, you know, that, that, that some of these drugs, you know, do, do that sort of stuff because there's no historical fucking evidence for it. And yet the appeal is historicity. So yeah, I guess a lot of it comes down to self-control and my concern of losing it. Um, and, and also, as I said, I mean, like when I, when I said earlier that the science is in a lot of these things, the science is absolutely in that it fucks with your penis. No, thanks. I mean, whiskey dick is just so well known. You don't need scientists to tell you about whiskey dick. It's a fucking thing. Everybody knows. That's why it has a name. <laughs> that's why it's called whiskey dick, even though nobody really drinks whiskey much. Well, that's not true. A lot of people do, but you know what I mean? Um, so anyway, I hope that answers that. And boy, do I hope that none of that was insulting, at least not towards you. Uh, I, I, I will happily insult, uh, you know, a lot of this ayahuasca bullshit. Cause I don't buy it. I don't buy it for two seconds. Uh, especially, you know, kind of like we were talking about earlier in this episode, some of the people that I may have been referencing earlier when I was complaining about libertarians and anarcho-capitalists are big pushers of things like ayahuasca and some others. And I can tell you that in their personal life, it clearly doesn't show not based upon the claims that are supposed to come with it. They are full of fucking shit. Uh, so I wonder if the drug is, you know, and anyway, okay, let's get on to another one. <laughs> How are we doing on time? Holy shit. We're over an hour. Okay. We got two more that I, I I'd really love, uh, love to get to here. So, okay. Uh, number three, do you reject all forms of spiritual theory since you're an atheist? I've heard you mention, uh, Jainism before on the podcast, but I don't know. I don't know if I've ever heard you discuss specific theories. For example, do you think some form of reincarnation, karma, or consciousness uh, ascension through uh, through meditation slash spiritual practice is possible? 
Hmm. Reincarnation. No. Uh, <laughs> so I am actually a huge fan of meditating. In fact, I call it zero tasking. Um, I mean, I am a big, big fan of meditating. I meditate almost every morning, uh, for anywhere from 15 minutes to 30 minutes. Uh, I have a very specific routine that I go through and I firmly believe that it helps me get through every day. And the days that I don't meditate, I feel it like I, I know. Um, and I think meditating definitely, you know, you want to talk about uh, consciousness enhancement, meditating. Absolutely. I mean, in everything, like even in sex, like, because you're so much more in touch with what's going on at any given moment and you can, so, you know, you can quiet things to, to really like take things in and feel them. Uh, you know, sex gets better. Everything gets better. You know, when, when you meditate, it, it's really, really a powerful thing. Um, so some form of reincarnation. Yeah. I, I don't see that karma. I mean, what is karma? <laughs> I mean, I know what karma is, but, uh, is there a certain piece that you, perhaps you display a little more when you're somebody that meditates, maybe a little more of a confidence? I mean, there, there's something to be said. Like, I think there are so many, you know, between humans. Okay. Um, between humans, I think that there, you know, there's smells, there's, there's little actions, there's body language. There's, uh, what the Japanese call intention, you know, where, where like, it's the language that gets, it's not body language, but it's the language that gets spoken without words. Uh, I mean, like there's so many, there's so many different things that make up a human interaction. Um, that, yeah, I mean, if, if you are, if you are more in control of your body, like you display a very different, you know, what some could call an aura. I mean, it's not a spiritual thing, but some people, you know, I mean, that might be the best term for it. Uh, I, you know, in fact, I had somebody ask me a, a question because recently I've talked about working out and, and people, you know, heard me mention that I'm a Kravist, you know, that, that I, 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 you know, I practice Krav Maga, uh, and you know, people ask me about self-defense. I mean, one of the first things in self-defense isn't even learning how to throw a punch. Well, okay. Actually, if somebody really knows self-defense, they don't throw punches <laughs> like, like that is an afterthought that, that is, that is for, you know, much later into the confrontation. Uh, in fact, if I see somebody like th this is funny, if I see somebody, if, if not, I haven't been in a fight in forever, but if somebody were to fight me and they raise their fists, and I mean, this is no boast. I would just be like, okay, <laughs> this, this isn't going to last long. <laughs> Because nobody that really knows self-defense, like, raises fists. I mean, <laughs> I mean, at least today, you know, if, if you learn, like, a modern, you know, kind of self-defense form that actually, you know, works against, say, you know, guns or knives or things like this. Um, I'm not saying that people that raise their fists aren't good fighters or something. I'm sure they are, you, you know, in some way. But, like, if we're talking about actual, like, street self-defense, uh, sorry. I'm more concerned about the guy with open palms than, than, than anybody else. Uh, anyway, where, where was I going with that? <laughs> All right. So there's a certain attitude. Okay. That, that you can, that various body language, uh, and it, again, a multitude of factors that, that you can, that can be put off by a person and really good self-defense schools will teach you this. It's not just like a part of Krav or anything. In fact, I don't really know of anything that teaches Krav. Uh, or, you know, that teaches that within Krav itself, but, you know, more like uh, traditional, I guess, self-defense schools. And I don't mean martial arts either, just like, you know, straight self self-defense. They talk about this, that, you know, th there's a certain look, right. That, that you can give 
that says that, you know, all right, not messing with this one. You know, maybe it's a certain confidence, whatever it ends up happening to, you know, to, to be. So there, there's, there's something to that. I mean, karma is more like, you know, do you get back what you deserve? Uh, I, you know, I understand that, but I think there really is something to learning a lot of self-control, you know, especially through like meditating and all of this and being very confident in who you are and what you do and what you can do. Uh, that, that, that can give off a vibe for lack of a better word, but there's no, no real spirituality there. I think a lot of it's very scientific. Uh, I mean, I'll tell you this, like, I think, uh, in fact, Stephanie is, she, she, you know, practices yoga, you know, pretty, pretty, uh, heavily and, and she's also a PhD. I mean, she, she's, you know, a biochemist and all this stuff. Uh, and she, you know, she will even tell you that there's a lot of stuff that, you know, is claimed by the ancient yogis and all that, that actually make a ton of sense. Now they were applying it to chakras and all this different stuff. Right. But what they didn't realize is, I mean, they were seeing the effect they just were misapplying the cause, you know, and yes, yoga was good for them. Yoga was creating the benefits that they saw. They just didn't have the scientific knowledge to explain it. And so they chalked it up to, you know, chakras and all this shit. Right. Uh, there's a lot of, I mean, to a lot, you know, Eastern medicine, alternative medicine and all this stuff. I mean, there's a lot to a lot of that. And yes, it has historicity on its side. Um, and now, you know, if, if, if Western civilization wasn't so, you know, goddamn arrogant, maybe it could have a lot of science on its side too. Uh, so, so you know, sometimes these, these, these ancient ideas have, you know, have a real basis. Um, nothing woo woo, of course, nothing like, you know, you're controlling your reality or anything, but you know, there's something to them. You know, I'm, I'm, de I'm definitely open to that. Uh, consciousness ascension. Yeah. I mean, I, I'd love it if it was like Stargate, you know, where, <laughs> where, where like, like Daniel Jackson and SG one could ascend and everything. And then, you, you know, it's sort of an out of body experience or something like that. Or maybe like Dr. Strange, right. They did that in that movie. Uh, yeah, I, I don't have any evidence for it or really any, any kind of, kind of personal experience. So I, I can't make that claim, you know, I, that, that, that I think that that, that sort of thing is, is a thing. Um, and it's an area that, you know, I really like, I, I, I just haven't done a, done a ton of exploring in. So yeah, not, not really into the, you know, a lot of the spirituality and, and all that stuff. It's fine if people are, I know amazing people that are really into that sort of thing. Um, I mean, I think, you know, there's something to, uh, I don't know how far I want to go with that, but yeah, I, I, th I think I answered that. I, you know, a lot of that stuff I don't exactly buy into, but some of it I think has a lot of basis in absolute scientific fact, um, that, you know, we're just now kind of learning about that. This is how the human body works. Uh, and you know, <laughs> go you therefore and do likewise. Uh, so, so there you go. Yeah. But uh, the reincarnation one, I, I, I don't, you know, I mean, the only argument I've ever heard for that sort of thing that, that made that, that I found intriguing was actually from an episode of Star Trek Voyager. It was in the first season, I think where they find that planet where like they, they beam their dead away to like these rocks or something. And Janeway at the end of the episode talks about it because they, you know, they think they go to an afterlife, but really, you know, they don't, they just go to these asteroids that they get beamed to. Uh, Janeway talks about how, like how they, they picked up these energy signatures that would, you know, go from the body out. And what were those energy signatures? Right. And I've heard people kind of make the argument where, you know, they say something to the effect, well, you know, energy doesn't go anywhere. 
or, you know, energy doesn't get destroyed. It just takes different forms and whatever. So where exactly does the energy go that, that comprises you and all this stuff? Uh, and I, you know, I've heard people make that sort of claim and yeah, it's, it's interesting, but you know, does that mean your energy goes somewhere to, to become, you know, a, 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 you know, ends up in another body or something like that? Yeah. I, I, I don't, I don't have the evidence for that. <laughs> so, so, you know, there you go again, not, not necessarily insulting that sort of shit. Just, just saying that I, I don't really have any evidence to, you know, to point at it. Um, okay. So number four on the list, actually, I'm going to answer that one privately. Uh, but anyway, emailer, and there was more to, there was more to the email, but I, I think we've, we've covered the gist and, and I'm, I'm just, I'm really, really honored. I am, I love how you shared your, your whole experience of getting to Liberty, how you found out about Sovereign Tech, you know, what, what exactly that means to you. That was, I mean, wow. <laughs> to say I'm honored. And I mean this to say I'm honored is not there's no words. You know, I talk about it all the time that the English language sucks. Well, this is one of those cases where there just aren't enough adjectives. Uh, thank you so, so much for that. Uh, okay. So we're at an hour and 11 minutes. So I am going to, uh, well, I'm going to give a quick review of another movie that I saw this week. Uh, as I said earlier in the show, what do I do when Stephanie's not around? I just watch Star Trek and go and go see movies. Uh, but uh, a review for a movie that I was, I was very excited about, uh, and that was uh, Resident Evil, the final chapter. So I just caught this the other day, and this is the, is this the sixth or seventh film in, uh, in in the franchise. I mean, it's amazing how many Resident Evil movies, uh, you know, have been made. And the final chapter is supposed to be Paul W.S. Anderson said, yes, absolutely. This is the last one. Um, and I'm going to just say spoiler alerts because I'm not sure that I'm I'm not going to reveal something spoilery. Uh, so, so you've been warned. Um, I, I liked it. I, I thought it was, I thought it was good. It, it wasn't the best of the Resident Evil movies, in my opinion. In fact, maybe it was, maybe it was the, the worst, not that that makes it bad, but it was, it was the one I liked the least out of it. It, it, it really hinted at a lot of cues from other films. So it was kind of an amalgamation, which is sort of fitting, honestly. Uh, I mean, you know, even the Bible does that, right? Where the book of Revelation, you know, 90% of it is just other verses from other parts of the Bible, really, or other prophecies from other parts of the Bible. So, you know, the last chapter of something <laughs> being a remix is, well, it's been done forever. Uh, so, you know, I, I thought it worked as far as that goes. And, and it, it amazingly still had twists. There are, there are new things you find out in this that colors and changes everything, you know, about all of the previous, previous films. And that's a real challenge to pull off in my opinion, because they already did enough twists. Uh, I mean, so many, you know, twists, story twists and turns, you know, with, with these movies, uh, I was just amazed at that. Uh, uh, Mila Jovovich looked fantastic, of course. And once again, holy shit, Ruby Rose was in this too. I didn't even know that. She's like in all my favorite franchises now. We talked about her last week on Sovereign Tech, uh, on episode 213 or 214, um, where I talked, she was in John Wick too. Then it, she was in Triple X, Return of Xander Cage. She's in everything. She is great. Oh, man. She's literally, I think she's my new favorite actress. I was, I was in awe. Um, so anyway, that, that was, that was cool that she was in it. That was a very nice bonus, uh, in my opinion. Um, yeah, I, I mean, the action was was really good. There were some really, really interesting moves, you know, done like some really cool looking practical action uh, that that I've never seen in in any other movie. And that's also saying something. 
Uh, there's kind of a reenactment of the laser scene. You see that in the trailers, so I'm not really giving anything away there. Uh, there, yeah. It, and I mean, and, and again, you find out something totally, you know, there's really kind of a big reveal, uh, in this movie. So if I told you the ending, it, it, it would really spoil it. So I'm, I'm not going to do that, but, um, yeah, I, I enjoyed it. I, I don't think now a couple interesting things about it. Okay. First off, Paul W.S. Anderson is one of my favorite directors. So obviously I'm biased. Uh, and also like I, in my opinion, and I've said this before, when I've talked about the resident evil movies, Mila Jovovich as the character of Alice or project Alice, uh, does not get enough credit for being, you know, everybody's always talking about, Oh, we need more female heroines. We know we need more female badasses in Hollywood and all that. Right. I'm not saying maybe you are, maybe you aren't talking about that, but when you go online and you read the shit from like Gizmodo or Jezebel or some, you know, some other bullshit, uh, you know, they'll always bring that up that there just aren't enough. Why Mila Jovovich doesn't get any credit for being, you know, a female badass for almost 15 years, maybe longer than 15 years. I have no idea. I mean, she's been nonstop and she does a great job. She looks totally legit in what she's doing. You know, she, she fits the bill while frankly, you know, looking fantastic. The same goes for, for Kate Beckinsale with, with underworld never gets any credit, you know? Uh, so I don't know. I mean, that that's, those are the, the aspects of like, you know, kind of SJWs and feminists where I'm just like, "Mm, you guys, you guys have some kind of strange agenda, like, and, and because I can point to you where these characters are. I'm not saying there doesn't need to be more. There does, but the fact that they don't bring up the ones that, that are out there and don't give them any credit or adulation. Yeah. You're kind of full of shit. Um, so anyway, I, I love it for that. I love Paul W.S. Anderson and I, and I think, I think she's great. The interesting thing is, and this, this kind of dovetails off of what we talked about in episode 214 with the movie, the great wall that we were reviewing, where, like I said, that movie was not made for American audiences. It was made for, uh, Asian audiences first. And they knew that that's where they would make all their money. Now, resident evil, uh, the final chapter actually came out in December of 2016 in Asian markets, you know, in, in Japan, Korea, you know, and, and, and China specifically. Um, and then finally end of January, uh, you know, 2017, it came out in America. Now it did crazy money. And I think it only had like a $20 million budget. I mean like wicked, well, I almost brought up my new Englander there. Wicked cheap. <laughs> I mean, wicked inexpensive budget. Okay. <laughs> uh, I mean, so, so inexpensive. Like, I mean, this is a low budget fucking film, which is also impressive with, with how much it does. Um, that frankly, like, I'd almost be surprised that there isn't another one. Like, why not? I mean, in, in fact, really this series for ev- every, almost every entry in the series, except for maybe the second one, except for maybe apocalypse has been a low budget film and they've always done way more than their budget. That's why they keep making them. Um, like why stop? Especially if, I mean, they did like 300 million in China, 300 million for a resident evil movie. This is the highest grossing resident evil movie of all time. That's crazy. You know, and especially when it's not the best, like not even close. I mean, I understand why, because now, like I said, like I said, in, in, in the main sovereign tech episode this week, you know, they're looking at these, you know, these, these foreign markets and saying, Oh no, we can make our, our ton of money here if we give it to them first and all this. Uh, so that's the thing now, folks, 
Anyway, I'm glad it made the money. I mean, I, I think the series, it's, you know, overall needs that kind of money. Um, the reviews have been actually kind of kind. Uh, personally, I think the, the last one, the last one was Retribution, the one before the final chapter. I thought that was the best one. And here's, here's kind of, if I have two complaints, two main complaints with the film, here are the two complaints with, uh, with the final chapter. And I'm not really, I mean, it's kind of a spoiler, but not really. Uh, that is, is that the end, I thought the ending to Retribution was awesome where they're like, they're on top of the white house and all of the, all of the, the zombies, you know, all of the, the, the T virus infected things, um, are like storming the white house and Wesker is president and then they have to go into this big battle. I wanted that big battle <laughs> like that. It actually pissed me off that all of that was almost completely ignored. I mean, they explained it away, but it was almost completely ignored in this movie. Or, I mean, it was completely ignored in this movie. The movie did not take off right after the fact, which is different for the resident evil movies. Cause most of them have, have really taken place one after the other, after the other, like in, in very quick uh, succession, uh, succession. And so, yeah, that, that disappointed me. Cause that, that was what really put retribution over the top for me was like, that ending was awesome. You know, <laughs> like that was, that was so cool. The other odd thing about this very, very few, I mean, like, like there, there's some big, you see some big swaths of zombies, but almost no zombies. Most of the action is all human against human action, which probably speaks to its low budget, of course. Uh, but that was, that was kind of weird. <laughs> like, like, I mean, there, there's some flying, you know, creature type zombies. Um, but otherwise, yeah, I, I mean, there, there's almost no, I mean, you, you get, you get practically no zombies in this. Maybe there's like one scene. So, uh, that, they, not, I mean, that's okay because I'm not the biggest zombie fan anyway. I'm, I'm a resident evil fan, not necessarily a zombie genre fan. Uh, but I just found that to be like, and I don't know how many people miss that or not, but I mean, it, it just seemed weird, <laughs> you know, that, that, the, that kind of action wasn't really in it. Um, so, but otherwise, like I said, I thought it was a, a very good movie. I thought it was a nice ending, uh, you know, to, to the entire series. Uh, I am just, just ducky if they never make another one, that's totally okay with me. Uh, but if they do well, Hey, okay. Uh, but you know, it, I mean, it, again, I'm going to be shocked if they don't just because the amount of money it's making is crazy. Like, uh, especially for a movie of that budget. I mean, it's how many hundreds of percent you know, has it made, I mean, <laughs> it's making up really for the entire series. So anyway, um, all right. So that, that's enough of that. Uh, of course we will have a new sex and science hour come out this week. Uh, and there will be a new sovereign tech. I've got a doozy planned for you and some surprises, uh, perhaps for it. So, uh, I'll leave it at that. And boy, we've, this is one of our longer Q and a episodes. So I'm going to stop it now and whoa, hope you had fun with it. Hope I wasn't too verbose. Well, how can I not be verbose? I'm the only one doing the show. I'll see you on the other side. You just experienced Sovereign Tech. Go to SovereignTech.com. That's S-O-V-R-Y-N-Tech.com. 
and connect with us there. Find links from today's show and catch our podcast feed. Sovereign Tech is copy heart. Copying art is an act of love, and love is not subject to law. So please, share the show however you like. Welcome to The Evolution. Thank you.